Okay, so the terrible moment arrives. You submit something and the client hates it. What do you do? You're listening to Copy Chatter, the podcast where we talk about all things writing business. We're having a conversation here about freelance writing and freelance writers, and you are invited. Let's chat about business, marketing, dealing with clients, mindset issues, copy tips, and rolling with the changes. We'll also delve into what's going on with this particular writer as I grow and build my own business. Ready to talk shop? It's time for some copy chatter. This question came up in a live Q&A that I did in my Facebook group, The Inkwell Guild, back in September. And I thought it was a really great question. So the person who asked it said that one of the things holding her back is the fear that her clients won't like the work that she does. Um, And you know, I will be honest, that is not something that I ever really dealt with. (laughs) I guess I came to it a little bit cocky or maybe a little bit ignorant. Um, I had a degree, I still have it. (laughs) I don't know why I say I had it in past tense. Um, But when I got started almost 10 years ago, um, I think I knew that I was a good writer. And so I didn't worry about my ability to deliver. I was more worried about, you know, my ability to find clients and enough clients and manage my time and all that stuff. But the fear of delivering something quality was not one of the fears I struggled with. So this was actually a blind spot for me for a long time. I didn't realize that this is something that would be freelance writers and current freelance writers actually worry about. So (laughs) Um, I was really glad that my Um, she's one of my students. I was really glad that she asked this because it gave me a chance to think back on my own work history and um, see if I could come up with a good answer about what do you do. So basically, the thing I want to reiterate is that we are all grownups here, right? We are all grownups and sometimes people um, might do something that disappoints us or sometimes we might do something that disappoints someone else right we miss the mark we misunderstand we think we know what we're doing and then we realize we're in over our heads and that kind of thing so so what happens when you turn in some work and it's not good enough so um in thinking about this I (laughs) at first I was like that's only happened one time but then as I was talking more I remembered a few other times Um, So I I can, and and no more came up. So there are four times that I can think of over my nearly 10 year career when I had a client who was not satisfied with basically with my first draft. I mean, there are always, not always, but usually there are edits and maybe some minor modifications and stuff. But there were four times when um, I really had to put my big girl panties on and take some criticism. Usually it was not mean criticism, but um, anyway, so I'm going to explain each of those situations and, um, and then along the way offer you some advice. So the first thing is that I want you to understand that if you have a portfolio, the purpose of your portfolio is to avoid this very issue. So if you have strong writing samples in your portfolio, those demonstrate your skills. And so if you can write the stuff that's in your portfolio, it is very reasonable to expect that you can write similarly good stuff for your clients. So this is a fear that is based in, uh, I don't know, it's, you're worrying about something that is so completely unlikely. I mean, it's, it would be like me living here in North Carolina, worried, going about my day, being worried that, um, I'm going to get run over by a stampede, 
right? It's possible. I live in an area where there are lots and lots of cows, right? So it is within the realm of possibility that if you're going to live a quarter of a mile from a, a massive herd of cows, that there could be possibly somehow, maybe the fences all break and the cows get spooked because it's really windy and a wolf shows up, you know, or a coyote shows up and, and there's a stampede and I just happen to be outside and I get crushed, right? <laughs> it's possible, highly unlikely. <laughs> but if I'm spending, if I'm like not leaving my house, because what if there's a stampede? Then, you know, I've... I, I can't even get started, right? And this this somewhat irrational, it's not irrational because it is within the universe of possible. But if I take this thing that's like the possibility of this happening, I mean, it's more likely that a piano is going to fall from the sky and fall on my head, right? Then, I'm, then there's going to actually, it's probably less likely because there are cows who live up the road. What am I trying to say? I am trying to say that if you let yourself be ruled by fears um, of something that is has a very, very small chance of happening, then you might as well pack up now, you know? And I don't say that to be mean. I just, I say that to be realistic because if this is the fear that's holding you back, this is essentially the fear of nothing, right? This is the fear of an acorn falling on your head. Are you going to not leave your house because an acorn might fall on your head? What's the worst that can happen if you submit something that a client doesn't like? Really, what's the worst that can happen? Maybe they send a really mean email to you, right? Maybe they want their feedback. Maybe you lose the gig, right? Really, like that's it. That's the worst that can happen. Um, and so I want you, first of all, to put this fear into perspective if you want to be a writer, I have found, now this is not a hard and fast rule. This is not like 100%. It's not even really necessarily close to 100%. But I have found that generally speaking, the people who want to be freelance writers and who are interested enough to do things like join Facebook groups and listen to podcasts about it, if they are that interested, then the chant, then the odds are pretty good that they have some natural writing skill, some natural writing ability, and that it's not going to be that hard to be able to sell these writing services and then deliver. Now, this is, like I said, this is not every single person who's listening and who's, you know, reading and whatever. But generally speaking, I've noticed that there's enough self-awareness among writers that um, if, if this is something you feel pulled to, you're probably going to be pretty decent at it. So this whole fear of what if my client hates it, is is not based in the truest thing, okay? It's based maybe in truth because it is true that there is always a risk that your client might not like it, right? That's that's always a possibility, but it is not the greatest truth. The greatest truth is that you're probably pretty good and your portfolio is pretty good. And if your client is impressed with your portfolio, impressed enough to hire you, then they're going to be impressed with what you deliver, right? Because the odds of you having a really solid portfolio and then turning in utter crap is pretty low, right? Your portfolio demonstrates your abilities as a writer and there's no reason to think that your abilities will diminish suddenly once you start getting paid. So... Yes, maybe there is a kernel of, of truth in this fear. What if they don't like it? Because it could happen. But it is not the most likely thing that will happen. It is it is very, very small likelihood that your client will hate your stuff. <laughs> it is much greater likelihood. It is much more true that your client is likely to like your stuff. 
and be happy to pay you for it. Okay, so all of that said, I'm going to tell you about the four times <laughs> that clients didn't like my work and what happened. First, I'm going to take a swig of water. Okay. The first time it happened, I was about five years in. Okay. I was five years in. This is, and I will say, this is my writing. This is not my editing. When I did a lot of editing, I worked with academics and um, I will never work with academics again because um, I just had very bad experiences with them. I took a lot of abuse from my academics clients and I'll never go into that market again because it's not that they're all horrible. It's just I had too many bad experiences. So we're not talking about editing because my editing clients on a consistent basis were completely unreasonable and I'm traumatized by them. (laughs) We're talking about writing. So it was 2014. It was about midway through the year and I was working for a like a software startup and the guy, it's the CEO who was having me ghostwrite some of his blog posts for LinkedIn and stuff and for the business website. Um, and he, he, I've written a few things for him. And then he was like, he was really super easy. Um, his emails would be like one or two sentences. Could I get a post on blah, blah, blah. Right. And that was it. And then I'd be like, yeah, I can have it to you by Thursday, you know, or whatever. Um, so he said that he wanted a post on rewarding your employees. And that was basically all it said. And so in my head, like I was writing in the career space at that point. And so in my head, I took that to like non-salary compensation, right? So we're talking um, mentorship. So I wrote about like mentorship programs and enrolling them in in health programs. And um, I don't even remember, you know, Bagel Fridays and stuff like that. (laughs) And I sent it to him and he was like, this isn't what I wanted. None of this is what I wanted. Uh, and it's like, oh, crap. Oh, no. You know, and he wasn't, the thing is, he was very respectful. He was very polite. He's kind of short, you know, succinct. Um, not like super soft about it. But he basically was like, this isn't what I wanted at all. And, um, but he didn't give me any more than that. <laughs> so I had to be like, okay, how did I miss the mark? I, I want you to be happy. And I'm happy to do a rewrite. I can get it to you by, you know, whatever two days from now is. Um, Can you tell me specifically what you were hoping it would be? And then he was like, yeah, I was talking about incentivizing sales teams. I'm I'm looking for um, ideas to incentivize sales teams to hit their goals. And I'm like, that's not what you asked for, but okay. (laughs) That makes a lot more sense, right? (laughs) It made a lot more sense for the context. So I, I rewrote the post and I sent it to him. And he was like, great, thank you very much. Now I'd like one on blah, 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 right? So it was no big deal. He told me that I missed the mark. I got really clear on what he wanted and I delivered it and it was like a blip. And I wrote for him probably for six months. And then I dropped him because I had to increase my rates and I went outside of his budget. Um, the second time it happened, I'm a little squishy on the time frame, um, but I think it was the next time it happened. This was like two years later. And I had a client in the personal finance space. I was doing a lot of ghost blogging in personal finance. And he needed me to write a like a like a long form blog post. Almost it was almost like a white paper, excuse me, on um, on topics that had to do with uh, credit repair. And um, he was like hawking some kind of credit repair program at the end. And this was a client who I had really kind of not good feelings about as we were onboarding. Um, He, 
I think approached me because he got my name from somebody and I could tell he was kind of squirrely and I could tell I needed to be really clear on the scope of what we were agreeing to because it was obvious that he was trying to like pump as much out of me as he could get um, and not pay for it (laughs) basically like he basically said I have this project and this is my budget can you do it and I'd be like, yeah, I can. And it was like t- uh, 2,500 words, I think. Um, so yeah, I was like, I, I can do that at that rate. And he was like, great. And I expect images and I expect this. And I also expect this. And I had to be like, no, <laughs> I can't do all of that for what you want to pay, but I can do all of that for, you know, X number of dollars more for this flat fee. And then he was, he eventually agreed to it. But then it was like very clear to me, this guy is going to put on all kinds of pressure for me to deliver things that we are not agreeing to right now. And I better put my big girl panties on. Right. So I wrote it. And as I, um, he had kind of an outline that he wanted me to cover. Um, and there were some edits that he made where I, um, you know, like needed to be, to be edited just like normal edits. And there were other places where he was like, I want to add a section on mama, right? Can you, can we do this? Um, and I, I just kind of went with it because by then I wanted to be done with him. But what he was doing was slowly with each round of edits, he was increasing the scope of the project. And I think that this was deliberate on his part. I think he knew <laughs> what he was doing. And um, I finally, after the second round of edits and he wanted me to add more stuff, I had to be like, no, this is, we, we agreed to two rounds of edits this is your two rounds of edits. If you need me to do more work on it, it's going to be, you know, an additional fee. And suddenly it was good enough for him, right? But until then, he had been editing really heavily and he had been kind of trying to make it sound like I wasn't a good writer because he kept adding parts. When our agreement had been, I'm going to work off this outline, I'm going to do this word count, and this is the project, right? So he was acting like he wasn't happy. He was trying to make it like I wasn't good enough and that he had to get me in line. So that was really, I think, not a case of actual dissatisfaction. I think that was more manipulation. So be on the lookout for those. If you ever get a weird feeling about a client, don't take the work. Or if you need the work or you want the work, be put just ironclad definition of scope in there and ironclad terms about what happens if they want to increase the scope. That's what I did. And I was so thankful that I had. (laughs) And then he came back and he wanted me to do more stuff for him. And I basically was like, sorry, bro, my docket's full. Um, I'm happy to help you find someone else. (laughs) And then he was like, it was so weird. He was like, you have a black book of, of cheap writers. And I was like, no, like the assumption that he made when I said I could, I knew some writers and I could put them in touch with them. It was like, it turned into like, I have a pool of cheap writers or something. And he really wanted into that. And (laughs) I was like, no, I just know people. (laughs) Stop being a freak. Leave me alone. And thankfully I never heard from him again. Although I think he friended me on Facebook recently um, with a slightly different name. So I'm still investigating. (laughs) Anyway, um, Let's see, the next time I sent in something that somebody didn't like, I think it was around the same year. And so this is like probably 2016 when both of these happened. Um, And I was hired by someone who has um, also in credit, um, he was like one of the premier credit experts in personal finance. 
without like being the head of a credit bureau, right? Credit was his thing. And he was looking for someone to start writing his blog post because he had a blog and he was still doing all the content and he was trying to get out of it, which was smart and it was high time. Really, really respected him. And so when he approached me to write for him, I was thrilled. And I said, I had some experience with credit and then I would do my best. So we, um, we onboarded, we agreed to do a trial post, um, which is something I always do at this point. And um, it turned out that I just wasn't expert enough for him. And so this was one of those clients who really needed a subject matter expert. And I was familiar enough with credit to write about it competently, but I didn't have the deep knowledge um, that I would have needed to pass as him. And I will say that I don't think there are many writers who would have had that kind of deep knowledge to pass as him. And if he really needed an expert, he needed to pay someone probably like three or four times what he was paying me because there just aren't many people who have the level of expertise that he has. So um, I ended up doing two full rounds of revisions for him because he would point out things that um, needed to be researched further and developed a little bit more, rightfully so. And um, and then he, he didn't want to move forward with me, which was fine. And I knew it was coming because it was like obvious that um, he, he needed someone who was an extreme expert in credit and I was not an extreme expert in credit. Okay, so that was a time when I took a job that I really wasn't qualified for without realizing it until I was in it. Um, and he was, you know, ripping my stuff up. <laughs> um, but that has happened once in the t almost 10 years that I've been doing this. And he was very polite. That's the thing. Both of the two client, two of the three clients I've mentioned were very polite. They were very reasonable. They were respectful. They didn't insult me. They didn't shame me. They didn't make me feel bad for doing what I was doing. And the guy who was insulting me and was trying to like turn this into me being inferior, that guy has issues, right? His opinion is not one to be believed. So if you're afraid that people are not going to like your stuff, I just want to encourage you that reasonable people, even if they don't like what you write, are still going to treat you reasonably, okay? And so there's nothing to be afraid of. The fourth time this happened was probably two years ago. So this would have been 2017. I think that's right. I think it was, I think it was while I was, um, I think it was right before Elliot was born. And I was um, working for, I, ha I had this gig, it was referred to me. And it was for a, a bank in Canada. <laughs> so it was kind of challenging. Um, the topic was challenging because I didn't know much about Canadian finance, but I knew I could figure it out, right? And I had I had like three weeks to turn it around. So I knew I could really put some time into it. And they were paying just a crap load of money for this gig. Um, so I thought I could do it well. So some of the um, conditions, so you know, some of the scope, the scope had been defined. They had a title already established and they had they provided a bullet point outline we want subheads on this 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 and this it was like six or seven sections and they wanted it to be between 500 and 700 words so if you've ever written anything and you know that you have to cover seven different subheads worth of topics in five to seven hundred words it's really hard to do that <laughs> that's a lot of stuff you got to cram into a short little blog post so um, I did my best I went a little bit over word count but not so far I try not to go more than 10% over word count. So I was closer probably to 800. Um, they didn't have a problem with the word count, but here's what happened. I turned my post in and the, the person read it 
my, you know, my contact read the post. Um, and then he wanted to make some changes. He wanted to condense one of the sections I'd written and he wanted to remove or like rework a couple of other sections and he wanted to add in something. So I took this, um, I took his comments and I started working on it. Um, and then I submitted the revisions back to him. And what he did then was he passed it around to his team of, I don't know, fellow bankers or something. I'm not really sure who all these people were. It was like the content manager, the social media manager, the advisor, like the banker advisor to make sure everything was accurate. And one other person, I think. And I got edited by committee. I had instead of one editor, I had four. And some people were criticizing me for not writing about things that were supposed to be in the post that the previous round of revisions had requested me to take out. Some people were criticizing me for not going deep enough into a specific area when I didn't have the word count for that. And I had mentioned it to my original contact that I had to keep that short if I wanted to meet within word count. And he confirmed, yeah, it's more important to stay within word count. I had people criticizing me for the structure and why are we talking about this part, but not about that part, right? They were, they were, they were criticizing me for delivering exactly what they had requested. And it was really, really frustrating. And so they sent back this whole new list of revisions that wanted me to make, and it amounted to nearly a full rewrite. At least that's how it felt. It was maybe like a half rewrite actually. But at first it was like, they want me to redo this whole thing. And they keep changing. The problem is they kept moving the goalposts, right? They kept changing their minds about what they wanted. Some people wanted me to take stuff out. And then after I would take it out, other people were like, why did you take this? We need to be covering this, you know, stuff that I had just been told to take out, right? Editing by committee is miserable. Never agree to any work that is going to be edited by more than one person. (laughs) So I got really, really frustrated and I was like, we're just going to go around this mulberry bush like 12 more times. Um, This was on a like a content platform, so I couldn't limit the scope of the project. So it was like, what do I do? So I talked to a friend of mine who had written for a lot of clients like this before. And she basically was like, oh, you're in the vortex. You got to get out of that. (laughs) So what I did was I went back to them and I said, thank you for the opportunity to write for you. It looks like I would be happy to write for you again in the future, but I'm only, you know, but I'm not going to do this editing by committee thing. And um, when you guys figure out what you want, let me know. But this one isn't going to work out. (laughs) Please feel free to do with whatever you want with my drafts. Um, And I refunded their fee. And that was the end of that. Um, So those are the four times that and I never heard from them again. (laughs) Good luck to whoever ended up writing for them. Um, yeah, so those are the four times in my nearly 10 years that people weren't happy with what I wanted. And the two times that it ended well, um, the, the clients were respectful and they were reasonable and they treated me decently. Even if they weren't happy with my work, they were polite. They, um, didn't make me feel like garbage. They just sort of requested what they needed differently, or they, you know, said, thank you for your time. And they moved on. The two where it didn't really end well, not that the the bank people, it's not like they ended badly or anything. It was just 
really, really frustrating in the process. They, they weren't mistreating me per se. They were like overly critical maybe, but they were not, um, they didn't, I don't think they really crossed any lines other than, you know, they weren't super soft. <laughs> That's all. Um, but, but the other two, the ones that didn't end well were because the client had unreasonable expectations and I'm not going to break my back to meet unreasonable expectations. I just, I'm just not, I'm not willing. That's not something I'm willing to do. I know that some people are willing to, and that's why people like this think that they can keep doing that, but I'm not willing <laughs> to bend to unreasonable expectations. Okay. So what happens when, um, when this happens? It really, my, my ultimate goal is for my clients to be satisfied with my work. That's why I do offer two rounds of revisions. It's also why I limit the number of revisions to two. We're not going to be in, you know, revising hell for the next six months trying to get this post right. Um, you know, what I, what I give you is good. If you don't tell me what you want from me, that's not my job. That's not my responsibility, right? Ultimately, it's not. Um, but if you handle yourself politely, if you don't get defensive and you just offer to make it right, and then if it turns out that there's no way you're going to be able to make it right, give them their money back and walk away. Okay. It's, it's not, I found that it has never been worth salvaging that bank blog post, 500 to 700 words. It was like a $500 blog post, if you can believe it. And I gave all the money back because it was not worth it. <laughs> I don't recommend you ever work soul sucking jobs. No soul crushing jobs. I, so one of my like pre freelancing job jobs was just absolutely soul crushing and I won't do it again. And I will never, never encourage you to put up with that either. Okay. So this episode went a little bit longer than usual. It was like story time with Ashley. Um, if you have any questions, the best way to reach me is in my free Facebook group. We are called the Inkwell Guild on Facebook. I recommend that you look us up until next time. Don't give in to the terrorists. We don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> Have you heard of Copy Confidential? If not, I want you to go to copyconfidential.com and check it out. This is my new course on how to write anything for any client. It's really robust. We talk about the major writing skills that you're going to need for both copywriting and content writing. And I'm also including 12 modules that go in depth into 12 different types of content that your clients want you to write. If that is interesting at all to you and you'd like to learn more, then check it out online, copyconfidential.com. And FYI, there is a secret unannounced <laughs> bonus that's not on the sales page yet for client bound. If you enroll in Copy Confidential, you get client bound for free. It's pretty cool. I hope you check it out.